What I do see very often, Anna, is when I see men come in initially, they're a shell of the man they once were. They are defeated, they're obese, they are stressed out, they are very unhealthy, they're inflamed, they're insulin resistant, they are not having sex with their partner, they're not even interested in sex. They have a lot of issues, obviously. And so when we start turning things around for them and improving them and getting them to, my tagline is be your absolute best again. And that's what we do with men. And guys wanna have more energy, they wanna lose weight, they wanna have better sex, and what do I gotta do to live longer? And those are the four things that we focus on. When we start to accomplish those goals, suddenly they become a different person. And so will that lead to changes in their relationship? 100% of the time it will. And so I agree with you that the woman needs to take care of herself as well. But I think that that doesn't in any way in my mind negate the benefits of giving a testosterone or should it influence whether you give him testosterone or not. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Do you know some of the most common questions I get asked about hormone replacement are regarding testosterone, testosterone therapy in women, but also testosterone therapy for men. Now, initially, that has, I mean, seriously, in early 2000, 2010, male testosterone clinics were popping up everywhere, everywhere. And women were saying, well, what about me? What about me? And the you know, how in medicine, it's often sometimes things go full steam ahead, and then we backtrack a little bit, and full steam ahead and backtrack. And there's somewhere in the middle for testosterone therapy, I think is a sweet spot. And I want to talk about this, because often I have patients who've come to me, and they've been seen by clinics, and they're on really high levels of testosterone injections or pellets, and they're experiencing hair loss, anger issues, mood swings, aggressiveness, just feeling not like themselves. And that's true for women. It's also true for men. And I'll share with you a story I had about a patient that I was taking care of her. And he was a, a vice president of a really big company, chemical manufacturing company, as a matter of fact. And she'd been my patient for a little while and really got her hormones in check, tuned her up, optimally balanced and replenished her hormones, put her through detox, did the functional integrative and hormonal management. And so she's like, you know, my, my husband is just, you know, more depressed. He's worried about all these younger guys coming up to take his position and he's just not himself. I think he would benefit from your care. So I started seeing him. And certainly one of the things that I recognized was that his testosterone levels were significantly low as well as his adrenal function. And his stress level was extraordinary high as, as is for many men in that executive type position in their mid fifties, mid to late fifties. 
And so first thing, you know, again, we can give all the hormones we want, but as you know, and I write about this in my book, The Hormone Fix, it takes more than hormones to fix your hormones. So I started him on, you know, after checking labs, start and detoxing, I started him on testosterone replacement and in injection form. And I counseled him, I said, if you're feeling more anger or any personality things that aren't characteristic of you, please let me know. And he called about two and a half months later, he goes, Dr. Anna, you know, I have to tell you, you know, I started feeling really great, but now I'm thinking thoughts about other women that I don't need to be thinking. I have no interest. I love my wife and I wouldn't normally be thinking this. And I said, well, stop your testosterone. It can be too high. And sure enough, it was, it was in the 1300s, 1200, 1300 and 600 to 900 is a sweet spot for men. But we will ask my guest on today's show exactly what he thinks. And so we stopped it and recognized that he was injecting, misreading the syringe and injecting twice the dose that I'd started with. And so once he balanced that out, certainly he felt 100% better and that makes a difference. But physiology affects our behavior. You can't simply just replace a hormone. You have to get to the underlying reasons why, address that, and you are responsible for that replacement as physicians we're responsible for that affair, that divorce, that uh, burnout, that depression, if we're not monitoring it appropriately and counseling appropriately on the safe ways to use and replenish with testosterone versus simply replace. We've got a lot of things to discuss today. And to do this, to talk about testosterone adequately, I want to introduce to you a colleague of mine, a fellow presenter and physician, Dr. Tracy Gapen. He is a board certified urologist and a world renowned men's health and performance expert. He's the head and founder of Gapen Institute, which is the global leader in high performance health. He has over 20 years of focused experience on men's health optimization, human performance, and longevity. And he is a well-known physician, highly respected, best-selling author, and a leader in our space, and a great example for physicians. He walks his talk, and I'm happy to introduce him to you today. So Dr. Tracy Gapen, welcome. Hi, Anna. How are you? Great to be here with you. Uh, so good to be here with you too. So telling that story about overdosing testosterone in men and wonder and how physiology affects our behavior and wondering about your experience on this issue and thoughts. Yeah. So common question. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, misconceptions about testosterone out there, a lot of confusion on dosing, a lot of confusion on, you know, what do I do when it doesn't work, all that kind of stuff. So let me just emphasize that what you're talking about is uh, not uncommon. And in fact, nearly every man I see has low testosterone. And this is why I call it a men's health crisis, a testosterone epidemic that doesn't get the attention it deserves. You know, studies uh, worldwide have shown that free testosterone levels, and we'll talk about free birth total in a moment, free testosterone levels are down as much as 45% from where they were 20 years ago. And that doesn't just affect sexual function, sexual interest, not just about muscle. It's about cardiovascular health. It's about cognitive function. It's about energy metabolism, uh, the way men really show up in their life for their family, for their kids, for their colleagues. And so to me, it, it's really important that we emphasize how important it is that we get that right for men. Well, let's talk about why. Why has it become a crisis, a health crisis, a modern day health crisis? 
I mean, I think this is, it's both men and women, but it's, it's not like we're not designed to have low testosterone. We're designed to have great, healthy, strong levels of testosterone and we can well into our old, old, old age, whatever age that is. Well, we know that stress, you know, stress causes uh, increase in our stress hormone called cortisol. And we know that cortisol crushes testosterone. We know that a poor diet, missing key micronutrients can affect testosterone. We know that obesity, increased visceral fat can affect testosterone levels because that testosterone will then get converted to estrogen, which is very important. We'll talk about it in a little while. Those are all important when it comes to testosterone activity decline, you know, as we're more and more sedentary, that definitely has an effect. But without question, the biggest culprit here is toxins endocrine disruptors, which are chemicals in our environment that are crushing hormone function, hormone production, androgen receptor activity. Endocrine disruptors is really the culprit. So what does that mean? We're talking about things like plastic water bottles, plastic food containers, toxins and herbicides, pesticides that are sprayed in our crops that we're eating. The animals that we're eating, if, if you're not plant-based and you're eating any, any sort of meat, a lot of the animals are injected with hormones and chemicals to help them grow bigger and fatter. We can look at our personal care products like laundry detergent and sunscreen and soap and shampoo and deodorant, and it goes on and on and on. We are literally bathing in this soup of endocrine disruptors everywhere we turn. And so it's a lot about making choices in our daily life that can help us. But a lot of it is unfortunately, you know, transgenerational. So these effects that happen to our parents are actually now affecting us and affecting our kids as well. So it's a scary thing. Well, I want to just emphasize that fact. Transgenerational up through the seventh generation is what we know. Some chemicals are persistent through the seventh generation. And we thought DDT was bad, right? What is glyphosate doing? What are the, you know, the parabens and phthalates and things that are still you know, considered part of our, you know, anti-aging youthful products or, you know, consumer friendly products. And I think consumers ask this, well, if they're so bad, Dr. Gapin, they're so bad, why does the FDA allow it? And and that's a a, a tricky question because internationally, you go to other countries, most of the chemicals we're talking about are banned. They're banned elsewhere, but they're allowed here or allowed at a significantly, le- you know, that's small right. level. Yeah. And I think that's important to realize too. That's right. So, you know, atrazine is one that's not talked about a lot. Atrazine is an herbicide. It's second u- in use behind glyphosate. And studies have shown that if you bathe frogs in a very low concentration of atrazine, male frogs actually become female frogs that can actually lay eggs and reproduce. And we are exposed to atrazine at much higher levels than that in our drinking water, in our food, it's everywhere. And so it's a, it's a big problem that just gets no attention. Wow. Yeah. And I think I was, you know, I'm very fascinated by this topic on endocrine disruptors. I've talked on the podcast before as well, but also about DES and third generation, like we don't yeah. do third generation studies. The FDA shouldn't approve anything that hasn't had time tested or third generation studies. And what I mean by that is that they're not just studied in our generation or a woman, for instance, but studied in her offspring's offspring. So what we learned from DES the use of DS, which was diethylstilbestrol, it was it was toted that everyone in pregnancy should take this, should be given this, so she can have a full term healthy pregnancy. And then, and there were over 10 million doses given between I think it's 1956 to 1971 when it stopped. So you know, 15 years time, and eight year old girls were showing up with vaginal cancer. Boys with undescended testes. And now we know because the France has studied this, the French have studied. 
study this, and they stopped DES distribution a lot sooner than we did in the United States. And they show to the third generation, they call it gender identity confusion, to the third generation, increased risk of cancers to the third generation, increased infertility and uterine abnormalities to the third generation. And yet, do you know, is DES still able to be prescribed? Believe it or not, in our food chain, in, in veterinary medicine, DES is allowed. Yeah, it's a real problem. And, and again, it's, it's multiple generations down the road that's continuing to affect. And, you know, we're seeing an increase in infertility in men. We're seeing declined uh, sperm count, sperm function. It's all related to the, the germ cell activity. Well, let's talk about, okay, now what do you do? Men are coming in groves with low testosterone. Women are struggling with low hormones in general, estrogen disruptors, testosterone, of course. And so tell us your approach. Now, tell us about your clinic, your approach to this low testosterone. We know there's endocrine disruptors, but like, okay, so this yeah. is like you open a can of worms. And I'll just tell our audience why I like what Dr. Gapin does is because he's not just saying, here's the testosterone you know, here's your solution, go have more sex here, bring your wife in and I'll give her testosterone. So she wants to start having sex with you again. I don't know if it'll work, but we'll try it. So let's talk about your approach. Cause I'm, I'm not being, I am kind of tongue in cheek here, but you know, there are clinics like that. So, yeah, yeah. It's a great, great question. So first of all, there's a lot of talk there about, uh, out there about, uh, natural solutions to boost testosterone. There are these ridiculous testosterone boosting, uh, pills, you know, supplements out there. I would urge men to not waste your money on them. Um, but there are, um, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to interject here because mighty maca, we have studied it. My mighty maca formulation It improves DHEA 70 to 200% in two months, taking two to three scoops a day and increases testosterone level. So I will say that we do have some science behind Yours is one of them. That. Most of them out there are not made by incredible doctors like you. Most That's of them true. are out there just to make a buck and they don't have the key ingredients like you're talking about that can actually help. When you look at natural solutions, you know, strength training, increasing quality sleep, reducing cortisol, reducing stress, you know, supplement with key micronutrients in your diet or through supplementation, all those are really helpful. Those are really important. But I'll emphasize that that alone is typically not going to get most men's testosterone levels up to where they need to be. So if we're looking again, free testosterone, we'll talk about is really the key. It, most of the men I come in, they'll have a free T of four, six, seven, and it needs to be like 2025. 20, if I get a guy with a testosterone, a free testosterone of six, and I do all those amazing things to naturally boost testosterone and we wait six months, we may get them up to 10 or 11, 12 if we're lucky. You see that we're still uh, much lower than where we need to be to get to optimal levels. And so the natural solutions are a key part of what we do. And th those things are important, obviously, to, to improve endocrine function and help with other areas of, of the body, especially reducing inflammation, cleaning up gut health, all these other things that, that you know, elevated cortisol can disrupt is important to focus on as well. But that gets us to the molecules that we use to boost testosterone because most guys, the natural solutions are just not enough. So when we're looking at giving testosterone, there are a couple of things to look at. Number one is, is the man interested in having children still? Is fertility an issue? And if we're talking about a young man, I see guys in their twenties who have super low testosterone levels. That's the guy where we don't want to give him exogenous testosterone. If we gave exogenous testosterone to that guy, we're going to turn off fertility. We're going to turn off sperm production. And we want to be really careful uh, in those men that we don't do that and that we help improve testosterone production while also uh, supporting fertility. And so that's where we look at things like HCG, Clomid, you know, medications like that, that we can use to help support both. 
let's say we're looking at a guy who is not interested in fertility, that's where you can look at potentially supplementing with exogenous testosterone. Okay, so we'll talk about that too, because I was interviewed on a radio show, not, you know, maybe a year or so ago with these two wrestlers out of the Northeast, and they were talking about their testosterone replacement and, and this, that and he said, and I said, well, you know, the, I think one was in his 40s, and one was in his 50s. And I said, well, the biggest thing is, you know, you're, you're reducing your body's own natural production of testosterone, if you haven't asked why, and you're not addressing the underlying reasons as well, plus, you'll get testicular shrinkage. And he goes, Oh, I got that they're like, non existent anymore. And like, how does that make a guy feel? And, and how good is that long term? So for a lot of guys, the atrophy is a big deal. And there are ways that we can help support that. So if a guy's on testosterone, let, let's say we're gonna get in testosterone therapy, then there are ways that we can help support the HCG is one of the best ways that you can continue to stimulate testosterone and fertility from the testicle to uh, help support normal, healthy testicular size. A lot of guys don't have atrophy and a lot of guys don't care about the atrophy. It's not a big deal or they already have the atrophy. And so that's really where we kind of individualize things. But I want to be really clear that there's this balance where we're looking at, at things like testicular atrophy, which yes, that's important to some men. I would argue that what's way more important is reducing cardiovascular risk. You know, we know that men with low testosterone have a 30% increased risk of a major adverse cardiac event. There's dozens of studies that all show the exact same thing. It's about 20 to 30% reduction in cardiovascular risk when you optimize testosterone levels. We know that men with low testosterone have an increased risk, again, of around 20, 25% of prostate cancer, clinically significant, relevant prostate cancer. So we know that that low testosterone has risk when it comes to the two of the biggest killers in men. We know that, that testosterone is critically important for healthy cognitive function, focus, concentration, memory, mental acuity, that sort of stuff. We know it's important for muscle development, for bone health. We know that's important for sex drive, of course, sexual function, of course. We know that, that testosterone is incredibly important for a man's vitality. And when we take a man who is low and get into the optimal levels, you see a light switch turn on. You see an incredible difference in the way that guy shows up in life. You know, I, I like to say that I believe the success you achieve in every area of your life starts and ends with your health. And for men, there's a lot of things that includes but the first one is testosterone and you'll see a massive difference in these guys that gives them the momentum now to start focusing on the other things that we know are so important as well uh, no, I, I hear you and so testosterone testicular atrophy is a minor consideration but once on testosterone therapy are you then committed to testosterone therapy and then you said you want to get the free levels how are you yeah um, yeah are you injecting it <laughs> using topicals it's funny you ask i i would say that nearly every single guy who's ever put on testosterone asked that question is well if i start testosterone does that mean i'm going to be on it forever and i'm going to answer the question with a question is if we're able to reduce cardiovascular risk, if we're able to reduce your risk of prostate cancer, if we're able to improve your bone health, if we're able to improve muscle mass, burn visceral fat, if we're able to help improve insulin sensitivity, improve your sleep, if we're able to help cognitive function, if we're able to help your sex, if we help you do all those things, why on earth would you want to stop it? And so the answer is yes, you can stop whenever you want to feel like crap again is the answer I give them jokingly so. But the answer is that when guys already have low level, this is a really important point that people need to understand. When levels are low, there's a reason they're low. They're low because of the natural things we talked about, which we can improve to some extent. But a lot of it is the toxin effect in our environment that you cannot reverse. It's, it's again, transgenerational. It's built into your germ cell line that we're never going to get your testosterone level to the healthy optimal level where it needs to be without it. And so 
the answer to most guys is you can stop whenever you want and you'll go right back to where you are now. But my question would be, why would you want to be how you are now? You wouldn't be here with me if you did. And that really helps guys understand that in a different light. And Tracy, isn't it true that when you stop testosterone abruptly, it can cause depression and suicidal ideations? No, it's actually not true. What happens is your testosterone levels go back down to where they were baseline before you're on testosterone. And men with low testosterone have a markedly increased risk of, guess what, depression, anxiety, and other mental health issues. So what you're doing is you're making this guy that we have optimized, you're now making him hypogonadal by stopping it. And so if guys want to stop it, you'll end up where you were before you started it. Yeah. Or worse, because you've suppressed your body's natural ability to make its own testosterone. But again, you're not making testosterone in the first place, Hannah. That's why, you know, when a man goes in testosterone, the reason he does that is for all the, the 25 benefits that, that we talked about here. That's the reason guys do that. And so if guys want to go back, there will be a short time after which, after stopping testosterone, where testosterone production will go back to where it was before. It does suppress it. You're absolutely right. It suppresses a crummy production in the first place. I think this is one of the areas that's so important because there are many research studies that look at this depression and suicide in people who have abruptly stopped it. And it was brought to my attention because a leader, you know, over a decade and a half ago in this field of testosterone replacement, then got in trouble with the board and his prescribing ability went away. No one prescribed him testosterone. He committed suicide. This is why and you it, don't stop it. Anna. This is the it, key it, reason. There's no reason sometimes there's not a way to get it. Or you don't have the money. A local widow husband was on testosterone at one of yeah. the best aging clinics and during, you know, the pandemic lost his business and, you know, wasn't spending any more money on his testosterone. And he also, you could say it was pandemic stress or was it because compounded by the fact that he wasn't getting his testosterone anymore, his other hormones, and he committed suicide and almost took his family with him. So like there's, I mean, it was a drastic change in his personality. So I am a fan of hormone replenishment. I am a fan of using testosterone as we age, not early on when we can then deplete if we're not addressing while well, we have the ability to regenerate organs, right? With Let peptides and other therapies. Let me, put you, let me put you on the spot a little bit, if I may, Anna. So let's say you have a 30-year-old guy in your office, and his, his total testosterone is 200 and as free as three. And he trains every day. He eats clean. He's perfectly, no stress, sleeps wonderfully. Are you telling me you would deprive that man of testosterone only because you're concerned that if 10 years from now he may decide to eventually stop the testosterone, that he's going to develop depression? Testosterone wouldn't be my first line of therapy, and I have had those men in my clinic. And You've done first, all the natural I stuff, and it hasn't worked. Well, first, like the understanding and a lot of guys that I saw in my clinic were because they were where they were shooting up steroids for bodybuilding in their teens and early 20s. And then they were hypogonadal now in their 30s, not buying all those steroids. And so those are really hard men to resuscitate the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. Absolutely. But I would say like looking at that person where I would supplement would be as a crutch. I would start top down progesterone, pregnenolone, DHEA, work on the detox pathways, clean up, you know, that as much as they're doing, you still have to detox them. You have to support their gut, their microbiome. Absolutely. All and, 
Yeah. We have so many good peptides now that work to regenerate. And I think that's probably the angle where I may, I will do supplementation. Also that young guy, how are we supplementing him? If he's on a cream or a gel, I mean, I've had to treat women with levels of testosterone, levels of testosterone of 600. So why? Because the husband was on a cream or gel and was never told don't, you know, don't rub up against your wife or use a separate hand towel. So I, I'm sure you've seen that in your clinic too, but that's one of the reasons I favor injections, small dose injections. So you're not getting it on your family. Yeah. I, I don't typically use topicals in men. Uh, women are a different story, but in men, I, I don't typically use uh, topicals. You do have other issues when it comes to DHT and estrogen, you have to look at with topicals, but I want to be really clear, you know, my protocol is focused on a systems model and systems model understands that, you know, testosterone is one of 50 hormones that we need to focus on. And testosterone gets all the attention has taken up, you know, 31 minutes of our time together here already, or however long it's been since we started when there's so much else to focus on. This is common because men, they want to really focus on, on how do I optimize my testosterone levels, but it's looking at all those other hormones. It's looking at stress it's looking at our, our gut health and looking at our quality of sleep and what fuel we're putting in our body and movement and, and detox pathway, all these other things that are so incredibly important. And so I want to emphasize that while we clearly see very differently about testosterone, I will hundred percent agree with you that it's really important that we take a systems approach when it comes to these men, because testosterone alone is not the answer. I see so many men who come in and they've already been given testosterone elsewhere and they still feel like crap. Right. And that's why, because that's just one piece of a much more uh, comprehensive uh, picture that we need to take. Right. No, absolutely. That's what I agree what you do. But a lot of people never have this conversation. Tracy, they never, never go deep into it, never think of the consequences. Well, financially, if I couldn't afford it, what would I do? I mean, I, I, I'd sell my house to get my hormones. I don't know. I mean, what would you do? But God forbid anyone listening is in that situation. But I just want people to realize if you're on hormone therapy, physiology affects our behavior for the good and the bad. So pay attention if it's too high of a dose, if it's not enough of a dose, and what happens when you come off, just like anything, we would want to come off very, very slowly if you have to come off. Do not stop it. And this is the other issue because hospitalization, someone gets sent to the hospital. They're not given their anti-aging meds, right? They're not given their testosterone injections while they're in the hospital. I've had this happen with my female patients. And, you know, I'm like, look, you got to be on, you know, I'm on the phone with their physician. She's got to stay on her meds. She's going to feel like crap if we take them off, right? But these are situations where people find themselves or friends of friends find themselves and aren't even making that connection that you need to keep them on this once, once you, you start down this pathway, you know, unless, you, unless you're doing other regenerative stuff or while you're doing other regenerative stuff, it's a, it's a crutch, but to make that connection in, in our minds that this could be a consequence. So we don't want to stop abruptly. Would you agree? I wouldn't stop it at all. Yeah. If I put a man on testosterone, there's a reason for it. And there, there's rarely ever a reason to stop it at that point. So I would agree with you that we're not going to stop it abruptly. I would, I would, I would add to that. We don't stop it at all. Well, how do you address, how's your divorce rate in your practice? Oh, my guys are incredibly happy, Anna. Uh, how's the divorce rate? Well, how does that relate to optimizing a man's testosterone level? In? Because this is a question I asked way back, Senogenics, right? I was consulting on there and that was the question I asked, how is the divorce rate in, in, the, in some of the practices? And they would say very, very high, very, very high within 
a year to two years after starting testosterone. I said, because you're not treating the woman, number one. You've got to treat the woman when you're treating the testosterone. I'm sure you're doing it very holistically. I'm putting you on the spot because I can. I know you're doing everything above and beyond. Yeah, so so but, we, have, we have a nurse practitioner in our practice who works with all the women, whether right. you know I, I can get the man to get his wife to come to her or not. That, that's a whole different story. I think that to base whether to give a guy testosterone on that or not, I think is, is missing the much bigger picture and the benefit of optimizing testosterone therapy without question. And I think the reason they're optimizing it is for having better relationships, right? Better health, better health profile, better relationships, better quality of life. What I do see very often, Anna, is when I see men come in initially, they're a shell of the man they once were. They are defeated, they're obese, they are stressed out, they are very unhealthy, they're inflamed, they're insulin resistant, they are not having sex with their partner, they're not even interested in sex. They have a lot of issues, obviously. And so when we start turning things around for them and improving them and getting them to, my tagline is be your absolute best again. And that's what we do with men. And guys want to have more energy, they want to lose weight, they want to have better sex, and what do I got to do to live longer? And those are the four things that we focus on. When we start to accomplish those goals, suddenly they become a different person. And so Will that lead to changes in their relationship? A hundred percent of the time it will. And so I agree with you that the woman needs to take care of herself as well. But I think that that doesn't in any way in my mind negate the benefits of giving a testosterone or should it influence whether you give him testosterone or not. I think that one thing that I recognized too was that, you know, I always had to treat the couples if that if they want their marriage to work, that you have to treat the couple and, and look at that. I'm a very holistic. I mean, my whole program, sexual CPR is there's eight pieces to increasing our sexy and to have a healthy sexual relationship. So there's more, it's more than just testosterone. It's not just that issue. Just right. We know that you can be on all the testosterone and still not have the sex drive. So, but I think it's important to recognize those pieces. So I know I put you on the spot because this is the he said, she said, and um, I like to bring, I like to bring this up and I like to create some controversy and, and ask the questions. I mean, it really begs to ask the questions, especially with so much testosterone being administered and and some people aren't putting that together. Is it, you know, that physiology changes our behavior can for good, but like, look at the whole picture and look at the whole picture, focus on the relationship for the long term if that's what you want. And if not, recognize that there can be a behavioral change with testosterone specifically. But there are other hormones that we talk about. So you bring someone into your clinic, say you've got a 63-year-old man, he's coming in, he's 30 pounds overweight, he's already been diagnosed with heart disease, and he has an elevated PSA. So you guys, for PSA, that is a test that men get on a regular basis to determine they're getting prostate cancer. So how would you address this guy in particular? Yeah. Yeah. And let me touch on just the testosterone. Uh, I want to be sure we talk about free testosterone so we don't run out of time and all on that. Uh, it's really important to recognize that that okay. the total testosterone is not really what's important. And um, you mentioned some levels earlier. I want to just clarify that what we care about is free testosterone. We know that there are proteins in the blood, especially sexual mombinding globulin or SHBG for short that will bind to testosterone and make it completely unavailable. So for testosterone to have any physiologic effect, the way it works is in the nucleus of the cell. It affects DNA transcription in the nucleus of the cell. And to do that, that means it has to attach to the androgen receptor, get into the cell, and then get into the nucleus of the cell, the headquarters of the cell, if you will, and that's where all the magic happens. 
when testosterone gets bound to sex hormone binding globulin in the bloodstream, it is rendered ineffective. It's not active at all because it cannot bind to the androgen receptor anymore. It can no longer get in the cell. So it's, it's basically a worthless molecule. And so a lot of men have higher levels of SHBG, which can be associated with gut health, with insulin resistance, with um, thyroid function, some other things that can affect SHBG levels. But what that means is that the free testosterone level can vary dramatically with a testosterone level um, that may look okay on paper total. So the key is we want to emphasize that the free testosterone has to be around 20, 25 or so to get the physiologic benefits. That sometimes means a total testosterone of 800. Some men need a total of as high as 12, 14, 1500 to get the free up to where it needs to be simply because the sex hormone binding globulin is so high and binding testosterone molecules and making them ineffective. So I want to really emphasize, emphasize for the listener that go to your doctor, ask for the free testosterone, not the total because the free is where it's at. Okay. Getting back to your guy, the PSA is a common question. And I dealt with a guy earlier today, actually, who had a higher, he had a PSA was 4.4 and he ended up having a prostate MRI and had a biopsy done, which uh, was negative. This is super common where uh, when men are put on testosterone, especially sometimes we can see a bump in the PSA. PSA is a, uh, a blood test, prostate specific antigen is made by the prostate uh, predominantly. And it is a screening tool for prostate cancer, as you mentioned. It does not equal prostate cancer though. P elevated PSA does not mean cancer. It could be from inflammation of the prostate, enlargement of the prostate, infection, um, and obviously of course, cancer. And so in my urology, 23 years in urology, I probably saw thousands of men that had an elevated PSA who did not have cancer. And so it's a screening tool that something's going on, but our job as men's health experts is to identify what's going on. And so just because a guy has an elevated PSA does not mean that he cannot get testosterone. It does not mean he has cancer. There's actually studies, and it's pretty amazing, studies that have looked at men who have had prostate cancer treated, either with surgery, surgical removal, or radiation, or even cryo or HIFU or other treatments, and men who had low testosterone and were given testosterone therapy, and there was no increase in recurrence rate of those men who had their cancer treated. Then they looked at men who have never had cancer, who have low testosterone, they gave them testosterone therapy, and there was no increased risk in developing prostate cancer. Then they looked at guys who had low-grade, non-aggressive prostate cancer, clinically insignificant, we call it. It used to be called Gleason 6, now it's grade group 1. It's basically the low-grade type that we will manage with active surveillance now. Okay, it does not need to be treated. The risks of treatment outweigh the benefits. Studies looking at those men who had low testosterone and were given testosterone therapy, and there was no increased risk in progression of disease. So what that means is you have a man who has prostate cancer and he can be given testosterone and there's no change in progression of disease. As long as you're carefully selecting, you, you know, you have someone who knows what they're doing there. And then um, watching have, where it goes, right? Where testosterone is yeah. going to. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. And so I, I have dozens of men in my practice today who have clinically insignificant, low-grade, low-volume prostate cancer who are on testosterone therapy and there's no increase in progression of their disease. It's, 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 I know it's mind-blowing. I know it's crazy. It sounds it sounds sacrilegious, but it's important that you, you monitor them with periodic MRIs, you're, you're following their PSA, and that uh, you're selecting those patients very, very carefully, but it is possible. 
Well, and it can improve their prognosis. I mean, I think that's the big thing. Like I get, I get so angry. I had a client who consulted me last year, 60, maybe, maybe 63 as well. 63 year old man, thin, good shape, walked regularly, low stress, uh, occupation. And, uh, his PSA kept increasing and they kept watching it, doing ultrasounds and did a biopsy and all this stuff. And like, okay, you don't have cancer. It's not a matter of will you, but it's a matter of when you'll get it. And I was so angry about that. I said, okay, so like, first of all, like you, you need testosterone. We need to get you on testosterone. We need to support your adrenal function, increase your D your vitamin D. It's a, it's like at a 27. Why are they letting you walk around like this with a increasing PSA over the past five years? They're just watching you to get cancer. I mean, that's malpractice, Tracy. What are, what is, it's a urologist. What is he doing? Why is he doing that? What would you do differently in this man? So I think that I, I love our conversation, Tracy. Okay, you guys, Tracy and I were on the original He Said, She Said on Dave Asprey's stage at the biohacking <laughs> conference. We had to conference. create conflict because we didn't have any. I know. Right? We didn't have any conflict. So we're having conflict. I'm like, I'm going to make sure that I, I have my, no, my good. daughter, Amira, today was like, Mom, you have these He Said, She Said's, but you know, other than having a, a controversial figure here and there, you're a great, like you guys, you're not fighting. Yeah. I said, okay, let me fight with Tracy today. So first of all, this guy needs a good screening. You know, he needs a, a, a rectal exam, a prostate exam, which for some yeah. reason this day and age is not done anymore. I don't know why one of the other functional men's health docs made a comment about not doing exams anymore. And I privately messaged him, dude, what are you saying? Like, that's crazy. I, I would disagree with that. There, there's, there's still a lot of men who I find who have a normal PSA, but have cancer on uh, that diagnosed with an abnormal prostate exam still. So you don't need an elevated PSA to have cancer. Okay. Um, but this guy, PSA 4.4, 4.2, and let's say his exam is normal. He's 63 years old. I would do a prostate MRI to see if there's any abnormality, any suspicious areas. If his testosterone level is low, I assume you were saying that very low T. Very low T, 200. Yeah. Yeah. And so that would go with, you know, let's say a free between two and four. Then I would, um, along with everything else, you know, we need to fix his insulin sensitivity. He's probably got a messed up gut health. He probably has other hormone issues, vitamin D, DHEA, nitric oxide, uh, estrogen, and, and, you know, estrogen metabolism is important. We could talk about that if we have time as well, looking at things like Dutch testing and men. But all these other hormones for him are important as well. But for him, there's no reason to not give this guy testosterone. Okay, so it is certainly acceptable to give him testosterone as long as we properly screen him for cancer, as long as we do our due diligence. And that may end up meaning if that MRI shows something abnormal, I now do percutaneous prostate biopsies, transperineal image guided, MRI guided prostate biopsy if it's needed so that I can safely tell him, hey, look, Joe, your MRI is clear, your biopsy or your MRI, you know, may, have, may or may not have shown something, but the biopsy was negative. Now I feel very comfortable you don't have cancer. And we can now proceed. And if we do see slight variations in the PSA, we don't panic. That's one thing I see a lot of guys do is they see a PSA and they panic. I had right. a, a, a friend of mine, uh, Jason, and I played tennis many years ago, twice a week. And he came to see me as a patient suddenly because his PSA went from one to nine all of a sudden from one year to the next. And I was like, Jason, just chill, breathe, do nothing, come back in a month. And he came back in a month and his PSA was one again. And so PSA can fluctuate a lot for no clear, obvious reason. And so, you know, That's we got so to understand. True. And it's so frustrating when urologists aren't thinking like you are, you know, and then they're denying this person, uh, otherwise healthy 63 year old or, you know, from having uh, hormonal optimization and hormonal replenishment yeah. in this case. But also what about DHEA? Do you recommend DHEA as a supplement? And do you recommend progesterone and pregnenolone in your guys? 
Great question. Okay, so DHEA first. Love DHEA in men, especially when they have low levels. So I always check DHEA sulfate, and uh, I think I saw one of your emails. I know you check it as well. I love DHEA for men. Um, oh, you read my emails. I'm I do. I do read your email. Now. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Probably not men. after our conversation today, y'all. But no, today. <laughs> oh, I love you. No, no, this is fun. It's all good. So DHEA is incredibly important for uh, mood, energy, metabolism. You know. It has a lot of similar functions to testosterone, so it is important. One of the key things it does that people probably don't know is it balances cortisol. So we look at DHEA to cortisol ratio and how it can help control stress hormone. So especially when these high-powered, high-performing men I work with, these executives who fly around the country every day, and they don't sleep and they eat like crap and they're highly stressed, you know, DHEA is a great way to help balance out cortisol. And so I love DHEA. Now, that being said, if you have gut health issues, DHEA supplementation alone won't bring those levels up. So I know you look at DHEA sulfate, which I do as well. And a lot of times gut health issues, bile salt issues can affect that sulfation process, which is what makes it active. And so to answer your question, yes, I love DHEA sulfate, uh, DHEA supplementation, but sometimes you need more than that if the DHEA sulfate doesn't move because of that. Yeah. And what about progesterone and pregnenolone? Like one of the things that I, I'd worked with patients, male patients that couldn't sleep and right sleep is one of those things that's going to contribute to low testosterone. So if we can get them to sleep and lift weights, that's going to increase their testosterone and growth hormone ideally. But so, and, and where there was anxiety, mood swings, I use progesterone and pregnenolone. That's why in my balance cream, I have both progesterone and pregnenolone because I like uh, neurologic benefits of both. Um, and I'm curious, have you used it much in your practice with your guys? So we should schedule another podcast where we can spend an hour talking about sleep because I love that topic and there's so much wrapped around that and what do you use and what sleep techniques and hygiene and molecules and, and peptides and stuff that you can use. So I'll, I'll put that aside for, for the moment, but I love pregnenolone, especially if we're looking at, uh, at a guy that needs adrenal support. And so we'll use pregnenolone drops with DHEA for those guys to help control the, the, the cortisol and get the adrenal function improved. Yeah. I'm so good with that. And then I had a question that what about more about nitric oxide, the testosterone relationship with nitric oxide production, nitric oxide for cardiovascular health, mm -hmm. your thoughts around yeah. that. Yeah, so great question. I, I love nitric oxide support for men um, because we know that nitric oxide is intimately associated with endothelial function, which is intimately associated with hormone production and function. So we know that guys with low testosterone have vascular issues when it comes to healthy nitric oxide production. Nitric oxide is the key hormone that helps actually erection. So um, nitric oxide is when you take Viagra, Cialis, these pills, what, what it's doing is that's increasing nitric oxide production locally in the penis. And that's help help. That's how it helps get an erection. So I love nitric oxide supplementation. There are some test strips out there. You can use to test your levels. I I'm not committed whether those are incredibly validated, accurate, how to rely on, you know, when, when the same company who makes the test strip sells you the nitric oxide supplement, I get a little worried about that. I'm, I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying, I'm not sure about that. So, um, but that being said, I do love nitric oxide supplementation, especially like pre-workout is great as well. And I think it's really important for overall health, for uh, fitness, for muscular health, vascular health, and for sexual function too. 
I, I agree a hundred percent. It's interesting because when, you know, one of the reasons I started in my own product development was my own journey and maca. When I was in Peru, they would say, if you're tired, drink maca. If you're infertile, drink maca. And it's the Peruvian Viagra. And so you're like, oh, for sure, we're drinking some maca. Me and my husband at the time were like, okay, we, we're going to make this. We're going to drink yeah. this. Yeah. And I didn't like the taste. And that's why I started working with other superfoods. And maca is so great. But one thing I, I looked at, well, why is it the Peruvian Viagra? What's the chemical composition? So maca is rich in arginine, which increases nitric oxide, which is exactly how Viagra works. So the ancient Incan warriors knew this, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So I think arginine supplementation is also beneficial as well. In addition, like I say, Mighty Maca Plus plus arginine uh, can be beneficial. What else do you recommend? Well, I'll tell you the one thing about that is um, be careful that with arginine, that the absorption of that is very tough because of the size of the molecule. And so a lot of times, uh, if you supplement with citrulline, citrulline gets absorbed better through the gut and citrulline will actually convert into arginine, which makes that much more effective. So you may look at something like that as well. I do like arginine, but sometimes absorption just gets limited through the gut. And full disclosure, I'm working on a testosterone booster supplement myself as well, um, because there's so many crappy products out there. And so not to mean that an oral supplement can't work, it's that most of them, 99% of them are, are crap. So no disrespect well, to your amazing product, of course. Let me, uh, yeah, definitely send it our way for sure. I'm always, we have a, a, a you know, share it with you. It's our males packet. It's called Man of Steel. I've seen it. <laughs> anyway, but the combination of things in Man of Steel, it's really good. And then Mighty Mock on the side, but there's so much to it. And that's why I wanted you to come on because many of my women have been doing a keto green lifestyle, have been doing supplements and they're like, you know, I got to get my husband better. I got to get my husband better. And I want it done safely. So that's why I brought you on today. And I know you got to run. I'm going to do a quick summary of what we talked about and address this there. Before I do, there was always the question about elevated red blood cells in testosterone use. It's one of the reasons guys will usually say, okay, go donate blood or whatever. So questions. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, that that comes up a lot. Remarkably, there's never been a study ever published. This is fascinating. There's never been a study ever published that's ever shown that elevated red blood cells is actually harmful in any way. So there's this theoretical concern. I get it. Sludging is going to plug up your blood vessels and cause clotting and this and that. But if you live at altitude, if you live like in the Swiss Alps or you live even in Colorado or Utah up in the mountains, if you live there for any length of time, your body acclimates to the low oxygen level by doing what? By increasing your red blood cells. And so your hematocrit may be as high as 60 living at altitude, but yet our men, when yeah. it gets to 52, doctors freak out. You got a good blood. You got a good blood because it's going to cause clotting and this and that. And, and it's, it's fascinating that I learned that there's no study ever shown that's actually harmful. It's, it's this theory that gets... We're really treating our own fear more than anything. And so nice. that being said, sure, donate blood periodically. I think it's good for you anyway. It's not going to hurt you anyway. You know, I think there are definitely benefits of a blood donation regardless, and it's altruistic and all that. But is it actually reducing any risk? I don't know that it really is. Oh, right. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I think that's a very good point. It's like, are we are we practicing based on fear management or are we right on? So in this discussion today on the Girlfriend Doctor Show with Dr. Tracy Gapin, we talked about free testosterone levels versus testosterone levels and more important to look at free testosterone levels. And we want that free level like in the 20 to 30 range, right, Dr. Gapin? Oh, uh, yeah. 20 to 25 for free testosterone is where, where we want to look for. 
Yeah. 20 to 25. So a pretty tight range where it's often we see people come in with levels of four to six and it's, and it's considered normal. That is not normal. That is not optimal. Right. Also, right. Dr. Gapin shared with us that testosterone levels, free testosterone levels are down over 40% in the last decade in men. And that is critical because it relates to an increase in cardiovascular disease, fatigue, and of course, sexual dysfunction. Low testosterone is associated with obesity, and it's also a cause for obesity. So it's both ways and is related to poor diet, disrupted sleep. And the biggest disruptor of all, the biggest culprit in low testosterone is toxins. So guys, ladies, get the toxins out of our house, get it out of our body, get it out of our house. Let's really be focused on this because can be in our system for up to seven generations. We have to start now. There's no more time to waste with thousands and thousands of chemicals every year being introduced into our system. It affects us. It changes our epigenetics and it's, there's nothing good about it. We spoke specifically about glyphosate, but really atrazine and we, and described research of the feminization of the animal the frogs, for instance. So the natural solutions that he went over are strength training, sleep, stress management, and supplementation. And really, again, to optimize that. And then when we're going to prescribe, look at HCG and Clomid to try to ignite your own testosterone production and to supplement safely with testosterone in a safe way that doesn't get rubbed off onto your spouse or your kids. So that's really important. And under the guidance of someone who's looking at all the potential causes of hormone disruption and the other 50 hormones that are critical to optimal life, longevity, and performance, that's critical. And with that, Note that with all this discussion, that it's mostly about, it's about you. And I am the girlfriend doctor. I'm about connection. And I want connection, longevity, long, happy lives, marriages, relationships for the rest of our lives. So there is something to underline here is that physiology affects our behavior. So we pay attention to it. If you're acting out of sorts, there's something you're taking food I and mean, there's a, you know, a food or a, um, a, there's stress or there's a person or it's a supplement or it's something else, a hormone, pay attention and touch into your wisdom. And I want to thank you all for being here on the girlfriend doctor show specific. Thanks to Dr. Gapin. We will put links to his clinic. You guys can see him in person. He's a practicing urologist. You can see him in person is his clinic and follow him on social media, Instagram at Dr. Tracy Gapin. Tracy, tell everyone where to connect with you. Yeah, sure. Thanks so much. So um, gapininstitute.com is a great website uh, to check out the center. Uh, my professional site is drtracygapin.com. And um, if listeners want a free download, uh, a free gift from me, uh, it's text health to 26786. Again, text word health to 26786 and you'll get a, a complimentary digital copy of my book and secrets to high performance health. That is awesome. You guys, we had a lot of great compliments. Um, and we, we touched on testosterone, uh, for men. And I think there's a call for what about testosterone for women? We'll definitely cover that deeper. I've covered it in my bioidentical hormone class and in some earlier podcasts, but we'll, we'll dig into that deeper. Another time I can definitely keep Dr. Gapin on for hours. I want to thank you guys for being here today. Thank you, especially Tracy for being here and sharing your wisdom and being a good sport. I really appreciate what you're doing and how you're showing up in the world. You guys, till next time, this is Dr. Anna Quebec on the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Please share this episode. It needs to go far and wide. Till next time.